0: you're going to shoot yourself in the foot if you don't prepare adequately to have a real, you know, brass tax conversation about investing, whether it's flipping or holding rentals or whatnot, you, you have to be fluent because a savvy investor is going to, going to sniff you out in a heartbeat.
1: So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access, to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves, grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars.
2: Real Estate Rock Stars, this is Aaron Dimuchisteghi. Today you are about to hear an interview that I did with Matt Bell. You know, Matt started as an agent and he decided that he wanted to represent mostly investors. So he was a buyer's agent for investors and he went and transitioned from being, you know, an agent to a consultant, to an investor himself. Uh, And then he ended up buying hundreds of homes, helping a hedge fund buy hundreds of homes and kind of growing. And so he gives tips on how to represent investors out there. He also talks about his new venture. He has this new venture coming out where if you're representing investors or buyers of all types, he has this new kind of way to help make sure that they're getting the best loan on the most unconventional stuff. So you're gonna wanna hear that, use those tips and listen to today's podcast. So buckle up, be ready to learn. Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. Back again to talk to you about real estate. Today, I get to talk to Matt Bell. I'm so excited. I've talked to Matt you know, several times over the last few months talking about all these new things that he's doing in the real estate world. You know, he was an agent. He's been a consultant. He's been an investor. Now he has this kind of new product that's going to help all of you agents out there to be able to you know, help your buyers or help really expand different parts of your business. So I'm excited to talk about that with you guys today. And Matt, thanks for coming on. How's it going? Hey Aaron, great man!
0: Appreciate you having me. Looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, me too. So where where do you live? Tell everybody where you're where you're uh, calling in from today.
0: I'm based in Charleston, South Carolina. So the southeast region is where I've been focused uh, over the last half dozen years or so. Awesome. The so where where were you born? Were you born out there? I'm a bit of a mutt, to be perfectly honest. I was born in uh, in Colorado and lived in Wisconsin for a dozen years, and then actually in Louisville, Kentucky for about twenty and change until coming down south. So, And is Charleston your favorite place
2: of all those so far?
0: They all are really, you know, really special in their own way. I mean, it's hard to beat the Rockies. Uh, you know, I was in Loveland, Colorado, and it's gorgeous out there. But uh, as far as living in a, in a culturally rich, I guess, environment, it Charleston hard to beat. I mean, cobblestones and the French Quarter. And I think it was rated the number one foodie city in the country. So there's fantastic uh, eats and I'm a total foodie. So that's good. You know, and obviously having the ocean and, and all things vacation right at your fingertips is nice too. Yeah, we're gonna have to add Charleston to our list. You know, we're we're
2: recent transplants out to Austin, Texas, and the uh, you know we we've lived in several different places, and all of them have different things to offer. And uh, that sounds very cool. So the so we're on here. We're gonna, I wanted to talk to you. You know, there's so much stuff we're gonna dig into today, but I'd love to start. With you know, as a real estate agent, you know, when you tell us about when you, you know, when did you start your career as a real estate agent? What did that first year look like? You know, and you told me that you had actually been licensed over several states. So what did, you know, what was the first year like? How did that transition into uh, you know being licensed in several different places?
0: Yeah. So it's uh, I have a best friend, uh, also my first mentor, who owns a Turnkey Brokerage in Augusta, Georgia, and I would had over several years conversations with him about his business and what he was into, all the while being miserable in my uh, pharmaceutical sales and medical sales uh, jobs, and eventually decided that I was going to move down south. First task he gave me was to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, which so many of us can say as, a, yeah. as kind of a, a genesis point. But And then he said, get your license. So I was licensed in Kentucky, and then I relocated to Georgia and ended up getting licensed in Georgia. Uh, functioning as a as a buyer's agent for his turnkey investors and for his brokerage, so That's awesome. So
2: buyer's agent and the and so was it was it mostly in investors that was that was
0: your pipeline and your specialty when you became an agent. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I did not fall into necessarily the traditional agency role. Kind of good and bad. I think I saw parts uh, of the agency role, uh, but not all of it. So, but uh, that being said, it prepared me to jump into investing myself, which is kind of ultimately where I had wanted to, to end up. But uh, yeah, my first year, at least maybe a year and a half, I functioned as an agent, just trying to find the next good investment property for his investors, which were not just local. He had built up a regional profile and, and had a lot of people that were ready to buy. I just had to keep them fed. So I was I was bird dogging everything, looking on HUD Home Store and Home Path and Home steps and you know all the wholesalers were, were beating the door down, and I was trying to build that network so it was uh, it was a pretty exciting time you know, drinking from a fire hose, but but fun nonetheless
2: you know I think there 's a lot of real estate markets out there like that right now where there are a ton of investors right a ton of people that want to buy properties and they want to get them for a deal, they want to get them for opportunities to flip or hold as rentals so there 's a lot of people willing to spend the money right now but the, but there isn't as much product. So, you know, you shared about that example of, I mean, you were living that where these guys just needed deals. And so you ended up having to search all over the place. So you were, you know, you were their agent, but you were searching on MLS, but the, you know, tell me, tell me about what that was like. How did you stay motivated in between spots when, you know, it was getting harder and harder to find, find deals? And did you have any secrets out there other than just, you know, working super hard and finding all those different places?
0: Yeah, I, so I was lucky because when I jumped in, as it relates to supply demand that you're alluding to, I was lucky in that it was 20, the end of 2012 and 13, and supply outweighing demand, and then in the end, demand outweighing supply, which is definitely the case now. In 2012, 2013, we still had a lot of supply, and so it wasn't as hard as it is now, uh, I was able to find plenty of deals on HUD Home Store and Homepath and Homesteps. Those are Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, and uh, HUD. So there was a lot of inventory. It was like shooting shooting fish in a barrel, so to speak. And uh, I had to I had to adapt as it began to tighten. And that's where the wholesaler relationships came in and trying to source deals that were not necessarily available from other agents.
2: So when you were an agent. You know, you were focusing on on deals for those investors. You know, HUD Home Store. The, the, I mean, that one's still out there. There's still all sorts of websites out there to be able to do that. How long were you an agent before you started transitioning into actually buying some houses for yourself and becoming an investor? And you know, what was that transition like? Did you know from the very first deal you did as an agent that eventually you wanted to be an investor, or was did something happen that you made that shift and change of mindset?
0: I was actually lucky enough to get into some deals early. My mentor and or, I guess, first business partner who owned the brokerage in Augusta got me into a few different deals. I did a creative financing deal, owner financing for for one of my first deals. I bought and flipped a couple of houses. I mean, I was starting into the investor world, I mean, within the first few months. The goal was originally was to learn the game and then go back to Louisville, Kentucky and do what he was doing, but with kind of my own spin and generally was walking houses from a construction and an agent uh, perspective and was just trying to learn. I think that was the big thing early on was just trying to get my bearings, trying to get to a place where I could add value because you know, when you don't know what you don't know, it's awfully tough to, to help others, much less yourself. So that's, that was, it was a big invest in myself period, which catapulted me into some other opportunities. Yeah, you know, I think agents out there should always be taking those
2: opportunities to, you know, to learn, invest in themselves, going through that process. The, you know, we we probably have a lot of agents listening out there that either represent investors or want to represent investors. What advice would you give them? You know, what are the things you think of? Of you know, if you're dealing with an investor, here's something you need to think about. Here's a way to get more investors. Here's a way to here's a way to keep investors happy
0: sure yeah well i mean i I think the first thing is what i was just alluding to is being prepared for those conversations i mean most of the investors i know are very blunt very to the point very like experienced frankly and so you're going to shoot yourself in the foot if you don't prepare adequately to have a real you know brass tacks conversation about investing whether it's flipping or holding rentals or whatnot You, you have to be fluent because a savvy investor is going to sniff you out in a heartbeat. The very first thing I did, and I'll never forget this, was I remember I had burned through a bunch of the money that I had pulled from my 401k to move down to Augusta and take a shot. And I'll never forget just being kind of on the brink of giving up. And so there's a couple things that things that I remember vividly. One was staying the course and choosing to push through being uncomfortable. I think that's really important in any walk of life. And then secondly, I'll never forget Tyson, uh, my mentor saying you need to start to invest in yourself beyond reading some books here and there. Right. And so I ended up going to a, a, an event called family reunion. I don't know if you're familiar. It's a Keller Williams. Uh, Huge event we just had it last week. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a Keller Williams gathering. I mean, it's like 50,000 agents and they have all kinds of breakouts and really good content, whether it's from lead gen to contracts to investing to uh, building teams or whatnot. So that was a real eye opener, just being around people that weren't messing around, you know, pros. I mean, there's $10 million agents with KW all over the place. And, you know, there's a reason why they stay with Keller Williams, right? It's because the, the support and education and resources made available to them. Is, is second to none uh, from my experience. Again, I don't have a, a, a very robust agency, years of experience and or uh, contracts. I, I think I ended up writing about 150 contracts as a buyer's agent, uh, purchasing 150 homes. I should say I wrote probably three or 400 offers. But anyway, that was the, the other thing early on that I vividly remember was pushing myself, saying, man, I don't have, you know, whatever it was back then, $1,500 to to buy a ticket and fly to, I don't even know, I might've been New Orleans or something like that uh, years and years ago, but, uh, but I did it. And again, I was uncomfortable, but I pushed through it. And I think it once again, catapulted me a little bit from the, from the development standpoint, from a fluency standpoint uh, and just general kind of real estate knowledge standpoint. So definitely the, the, the big, the big things early on are to reinvest in yourself and reinvest in your business. I just, I'll always say that till yeah. i in the face. You know,
2: and the as an investor too, when the when agents would, would bring me things, I think the extra things I would add, you, you were talking about like being prepared and knowing your numbers or they're going to sniff that out too. I think it's, it's okay just to ask the investor, hey, like, how do you look at deals? What's the most important thing for you to see? Because you want to be able to, like you said, like some of them, they're, they're kind of in a hurry or they're seeing a bunch of different deals. So being able to kind of package that with Cliff Notes, whether it's an email or a text or whichever, If you send an investor something, the next time they're going to, you know, somebody sends me something and I go, okay, well, how much will it rent for? What year was it built? What's the bed bath count? Right. And then they reply back. So you can, you can figure out that first conversation with that investor to see what was important. And then the next time, if you're an agent, now you repackage that too. So I think for me, I think I totally agree with your point that it's about having the knowledge and having the answers, but then also how can you get, you know, you figure out which answers they really want quickly and easily to kind of get your foot in the door.
0: Sure. To, to get past, you know, square one. Yeah. And then setting appropriate expectations, right? I mean, th- that's a great, great point you just made is understanding the buy box of any single or group of investors. It's critical because that's, that's the only way you're going to be able to put things in front of them that fit them. That's a, a very fundamental way to bring value, right? Even if you're not super savvy and haven't done hundreds of deals, as long as you understand what somebody... Is looking for and can provide some opportunities within that buy box. You're definitely ahead of the game. I mean, it's it's a that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah, and that's great advice for
2: agents wanting to represent investors. We're just agents representing people, right? Really, truly understanding what they want. What they need, how you're going to get there, you know, what they're looking for. An investor buy box is a fancy way of saying, "Oh, these." He wants to buy houses that are, you know, this this age or this size or this or this price. But buyers have a buy box too. Now, for them, it's a lot more personalized. They want a three car garage. They want a yard big enough for this. They want, you know, they want this in their kitchen and that sort of thing. But it's really understanding what that buy box is, helping them find it, and then you know, being able to to quickly source through it because there's only so much stuff that's out there real estate rock stars this is aaron amuchasteghi and as you know when you've been hearing these episodes so many of our guests give us lots of free gifts and share the tools they've been using to become successful we've got free real estate tools scripts ebooks marketing materials and more we keep track of everything in our vault and it's updated with new items each and every week if you want access to that stuff it's totally free for being a listener all you have to do is go to AgentSuccessToolbox.com success toolbox.com and get your free gifts now. So you, you were an agent, you're transitioning the, uh, I think you talked about how you got from a couple states and then, but you, you ended up doing it in you licensed in more than four states. Was that, and that was all as buyer's agent for investments?
0: Uh, primarily, yeah, about a year and change into agency. I was living in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, in walks a hedge fund, and you know, a couple different things happened. They, I was I was prepared for the conversation, number one, which is a big part of it. Uh, but they had called around to a handful of brokerages trying to find somebody to represent them, and thankfully, I was fluent enough at the time to have the conversation. Uh, we set the appointment. Two two of the principals came into the office and my tyson my mentor and business partner and i sat down with them and won their business it was, it was a funny scene because you know the buyer's agent who's not as experienced is chomping at the bit and uh, and then the the savvier, uh, of the two of us tyson was was definitely i think exercising some some doubt some restraint you know they came in and said we're going to buy 100 houses from you you know this year and of course i'm just like yeah right and uh tyson is the the q the eye roll i'll i'll, I'll believe it when i see it right because he had heard this from others that had come to town before and uh anyway they did i ended up uh, i think we bought 130 homes uh that first full 12-month cycle with the fund so yeah a, a shot out of the shot out of a can into uh into you know earning some good commissions but also uh, learning the investor world specifically from a from an institutional standpoint yeah, I had some of those same conversations
2: in northern california 2013 of the guys coming in going hey I want to buy this many houses and and the and they did and they bought and they bought thousands you know they came in they, they put us out of business back then and the uh you know we and everybody had to change their plan and and be nimble so the so you've ended up, so, so you've got to represent a lot of people like that, you know, multiple states, multiple things. Then you start doing investments for yourself. The, how many investments did you do in the last year? And where were, and what type, what did those investments look like? What was the price for the cities, rentals, flips, that sort of stuff?
0: Yeah, so we believe primarily in an asset-based decision-making model. You know, I, I firmly believe that sometimes it's it's a better rental than it is a flip. Sometimes it's it's better to, Assign a contract and let someone else buy it or take it down and list it, for instance. I mean, there's just a bunch of different things you can do with any given asset. And it's kind of a mix of the asset itself, but also where are you as it relates to your cash flow position. You know, if I'm going to take on a flip, that could be five, six months down the road before I see a payday versus assigning the contract or listing it immediately or whatnot and, and accelerating that a little bit. But sometimes the bigger spreads come on those flips. And so you really have to weigh out kind of the pros, cons uh, of that. So so Augusta, Georgia and Columbia, South Carolina were primarily where we focused the last couple of years. Um, I left the fund about two and change and I had started an operating business in the last year that I was with the fund, uh, primarily to be a feeder for the fund. As we started to see those MLSs tighten up, uh, we, we knew we were gonna have to start sourcing properties elsewhere. And so it was nice to have a company to go to when I left the fund and you know a company that already had a little bit of a footprint and a little bit of a of a business model and a little infrastructure. But the last 2 years have been have been a challenge, man, going from you know never ending money and overcoming any mistake with just throwing some more dollars at it to hey, now this is this is on my dime. And uh, those, those lessons get a lot more painful. So uh, I believe we bought, I think we had 73 transactions last year, uh, which was down significantly from the year prior. I think we were in the low, low 120s last year. And it, it was a really good year two years ago. And then last year, we ended up kind of having a hard reset in October. We parted ways with our, our CEO and needed to head in a different direction. So we are in process of rebooting the system, it very much burned it down and, and, and are trying to rebuild it the right way this time, something that's a lot more sustainable and a lot more consistent. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you say 73 and, and feel defeated, I know there's a lot of people out there that think very differently. And uh, maybe that's just one of the things that I've taken from the fund experience was just how I, how I view scale is yeah. definitely different than it once was.
2: Well, you, every, every agent out there should try to think of, you know, you want to set goals and realistic goals, but you also want to, you know, reach for the sky. And, you know, that's why I tell people, like, you come coming up with that five-year vision. I mean, the so don't let 73 feel like, oh, I've got nothing I can learn from this guy. The idea, maybe that's your three-year, maybe that's your five-year because this year you're doing 10, um, but being able to see... We learn, you know, I've had to tear down and rebuild my businesses several different times in the, and you're going through that now, but it's also about every time learning, you know, and if you, and if you lose a listing appointment, you can take that and say, all right, now I'm going to learn and go to the next one. If you lose a deal, you can figure out what that is and move to the next one. And when you're getting up to, you know, so many deals and there's also, we also have tons of list- listeners that are super experienced real estate agents that are doing just that, right? You know, they're taking those, you know, the things that go wrong, they're learning from them, they're seeing how they can excel you know, one of the things you said was you look at an asset bait, you look at a house and and sometimes you say, this one's a good rental. Sometimes you say, this one is a better flip than a rental. And other times you say, let's just wholesale it. So the, in just one minute, try to, try to explain what, wh- why you would pick a rental, why you would, why you'd pick a flip or why you would pick a wholesale. Just an example of, uh, of what that really means around that $120,000 price point.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, time and money are the two big big factors in the decision making. If we were we are in a position where we spend lots and lots of money on marketing every month, and so it's tough to go a couple months without you know significant business, a couple really good deals. And so sometimes we need to take a contract that we put under contract with a, a distressed seller for instance. Sometimes we need to go ahead and sell that contract because it's a much quicker turn. I can put something under contract and wholesale it to our buyers list generally in 30 days or less. And, and we, we will definitely go in that direction with an asset if we are in a cash flow light position that we need to recap. So that's kind of a time and money component. Rental I believe is when we have a lot more capital and aren't necessarily pressed and we can hold some or we can allocate some of our resources to a, to a long-term hold. I definitely want to have long-term holds. It's part of my business plan is to build a you know a retirement essentially for me and my family. And then the flip is, hey, the, the spread's too sweet here. Are we in a position where we have time uh, in order to maximize the dollars in the deal? We're trying to get it about the same price point across all three. Uh, because you definitely make your money on the buy. It just kind of it depends, right? It depends on where you are cash flow wise and where you are from a, from a, a need standpoint on, on both time and money. You know, it makes, that makes a lot of sense. So the, you know, for you guys,
2: it's about, if it's a deal, then it's looking at it and saying, you know, can we buy more right now or should we flip it or do we need money? You know, there's, I think something to, to add, I, I think that, that, you know, I've had the same experience, but but some different things for us too. Some houses just aren't going to cash flow as good rentals. You know, what we see is, as houses get nicer and nicer and price points get higher and higher, you know, the ROI to make it a rental is a lot less. You know, like a million dollar house rents for, you know, five or $6,000 a month, but a hundred thousand dollar house rents for a thousand dollars a month. Right. So the as yeah. you get so those there's also some decisions like that that happen with us. Now if you're buying all in that same price point, it's all the same deal. That helps you get your focus, and it's about time and money. And so that, but that makes a lot of a, a lot of sense. I was I was kind of expecting maybe some of those other answers, but the but that's you know, As we as we jump around, that's probably why you started your new thing, right? Like so so the the new thing that you're focused on, you were telling me about, is really you know from that problem you wanted to you wanted to solve a problem about. You know, what about these deals that people have that they couldn't fund, they didn't have enough cash for, they're worried about time. Tell us about your, your new gig. What's, uh, what, are you, what are you launching and, and, uh, and why is it going to help an agent out there?
0: Yeah, we're, so we're just out of the gate with with our most recent business venture. And it was definitely, to your point, born from some of the frustrations as an operator that we experienced in different states. It's Easy Button Lending is is the name of the company that we've just launched and we can do lending in all 50 states, all deal types, all credit profiles. It, I believe is, is if not the most comprehensive, certainly one of, one of the most comprehensive offerings that's ever been out there. Kind of like the lending tree of the private money or hard money world, if you will. One of the big challenges with private money or hard money is that it's fragmented, right? So like somebody trying to find hard money for a flip in North Carolina is going to find a different answer or available answer than somebody in Indianapolis, Indiana, right? A lot of the the lenders out there only do several States. They only do certain types of deals. And I, for instance, I I worked with lending home who's a, who's a large fix and flip lender based out of California and they only did fix and flip and they only did 26 States yet. They did 1.4 billion in underwriting last year. So Uh It's a massive opportunity, but when I asked them if they had any desire to go national right to be in all fifty states, the answer was, well, maybe maybe sometime down the road I could see it five to ten years or something like that and it's a the need is now, I mean especially for people that are trying to execute deal flow in different states. I mean I don't want to have to have to go to four or five or ten different lenders to try to find a different deal that will be funded, a different state that, you know, they can fund in. And so that's what we've tried to do is, is build a, you know, a platform for investors, buy investors, where it's a one-stop shop and and you can come to one place and, and have access. I think we have 132 lenders on the platform and, uh, and they bid for your deal essentially. So it's just going to grow. I mean, that, that was the way you described it to me. So
2: you know for agents out there you know lending tree is probably a place you've heard of and if not you know some of your some of your clients are going on there and they're saying hey I want to get a loan and I think their slogan is when bank competes, when banks compete, you win, right? You're putting it on there, then all then all the lenders are going to compete against each other for the lowest price and that sort of thing, and you're doing the similar thing. But your point is with hard money lenders, there's some lenders that are only going to lend, you know, five or six million at a time, you know, nationwide, but they have certain parameters, and so it, you know. But if they all if they have all their money right now, they might offer lower rates, than if they don't have as much to lend, and then being able to have somebody like I I, I use a few hard money lenders, but right now. I've got to reach out to them individually. And if I'm going to a different state, I've got to reach out to my other ones. Just like that problem you said with lending home and you guys want to be the guy that you're the only one they go to that they say, Hey, I need a loan on this. They send it to you. They put in the information, all the other lenders get together and then they feed, you know, quotes back through you. So you can say, here's your three hard money lender offers and here's your best one. You're going to go with that.
0: That's right. Yeah. So the process would be you, you input one, two, three main street in Dallas, Texas and One of our loan intake specialists will call you and say, hey, all right, based on your deal type and your state, these are the four or five lenders that will normally loan on something like that or lend money on something like that. These are their normal rates. And so you might see a a lender that's offering 70% loan to cost at 7% and one point, which is really cheap money, Uh, but you have to put 30% down and that's a lot of a lot of money to put down into a deal uh, all the way up to 90% or even 100% loan to cost where it's maybe 10 and 3 let's just say 10 10% interest and in 3 and 3 points it's a lot as an operator a lot of times it makes sense to be able to choose this same thing that I was talking about the time and money thing a minute ago is you know look if if I'm cash flow light I I'm going to go with the the more expensive money because I don't have to put 30% down, right? But the the flip of that is the converse of that is sometimes I've had a couple of really good closings that came up in a, a given month or whatnot that it makes sense to get cheaper money because I've got the 30% to put down. So it allows the flexibility to uh, choose based on not only the deal and the state, but also your your circumstances. So
2: yeah. Man, I think that's going to be so helpful for so many people out there. As, as the you know, the world is continuing to evolve, and the and being able to find that technology where you can plug and play and submit it. And now here's your options, and then and then the you know the investor can now plug in those deals maybe into their spreadsheet and go well with this loan I make this much money with this loan I make this much money because just like they all have their own box which could be a pro and a con. Everybody knows like I usually do 90-day holds or 60-day holds or whatever. Right. So you could plug those in, figure out what's best for you. The, and for agents out there, you know, this is another option for your buyers, right? So now your buyers, especially if you take some of what Matt said at the beginning, you start to learn to represent investors and get to go you know, do deals and find deals. This happens all the time where they get there and you go, hey, I found you a great deal. And, and I mean, agents, you may say, hey, I want to buy this myself. Right, and that's to a point where now there's a lender out there that could that could say like, "Hey, yeah, you can," and this is how, and let's go through it, or they could show you what your options are if you're able to get it yourself, or you can present it to your investors, you know, that are making the offers, say, "Hey, here's another option for you guys." you know because they might say oh i can't right now i'm out of cash or, oh have you thought about you know using some of these other sources you know whichever so the i really think what you're doing is it's it's really cool that you that you took a problem that you solved that you kind of went through and learning through an agent and investor to see what people really needed and now you're out there and you're providing this new one you know and for listeners out there the you know to find it you know to get a to get kind of a special link to get on there and check out what Matt is doing and give it a try you know, go to hybendigital.com it's h i b a n digital.com forward slash easy button now that's going to have the link to you know this interview it's going to have the youtube link if you want to you know see us on here you know we'll have some extra tips and things on there uh and but there will be some, some special links inside there too so you don't have to write any notes right now go to the special link go find it you can go check out easy button that way you can go submit stuff or at least see what they have to offer. And then you know, we'll figure out what else we can, we can share with you on there. So if Matt sends me anything else that we think is going to be interesting for you, we'll put it on that special link and you guys can, can see it. Matt, anything, anything I'm forgetting? Any, anything that people should, should be thinking about when they come find you?
0: Well, because it's such a unique offering, I do want to point out one thing that we do have 10,000 plus loan types. And so for the agents that represent buyers in all walks, right? In all kinds of different industries and niches, you can buy hotels, gas stations, multifamily retail space, fix and flip, 50 rentals, one rental. It's 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 as long as it's business purpose, we likely can fund it. So I just wanted to throw that in there as just kind of a an additional thought that it's not just the traditional fix and flip or the traditional rental. It's really anything and everything out there. I can't remember. We've got some funny things on, the, on our list. I don't even know why we have it on the list, but like marine, a marina. If you want to buy a marina, yeah, you know, a marina guy.
2: That's freaking awesome. You know, Real Estate star is the, this will be an extra tool in your tool belt. Right, being able to have something like this to be able to present and be able to represent your buyers better—it's just more options is good. You know, like the, when banks compete, you win, and being able to go in and now when you're competing against other agents, you're like, "Hey, I've, I've got some great sources for you to do this." So go to hybendigital.com forward slash easy button. You know, check it out. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram as always. Come chat with us. The you know, give us some reviews. Let me know how we're doing as we're sharing content. We are committed to providing content for you out there. Real Estate Rockstars was I think the first podcast for real estate agents. It's the best and the biggest podcast focused on real estate agents and we want to keep providing you great stuff. So hopefully you learned a lot from Matt today. Matt, thanks for being on and sharing so much knowledge and I'm really excited to see what you get to do with your new venture.
0: Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me, Aaron. It was a pleasure and I look forward to doing it again here in the not too distant future. Awesome. We'll definitely have you back. Thanks.